0: You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating the space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the born wild podcast. We're your hosts, Sophia and Chelsea and everyone else is just kind of all over the place right now. Leah's in Hawaii, Nina's in Cuba. Clover, I can't even remember where Clover is, I think she's doing a (laughs) class or something right now, Um, and Emma is also, um, I'm not sure where she is, but um, we're here, and we're so excited to introduce you to Diana, and I'll just let you take it over and um, tell
1: the listeners something about yourself, and um, then we'll dive into it. Great, thank you, Sophia, it's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak. Um, My name is Diana. I am the mother of two little boys and for the past five-ish years of my life professionally I have been working in the field of supporting women in a non-clinical way who have experienced uh, birth trauma and this is a subject that is very dear to my heart because of my own personal experience and what that kind of looks like now is mostly doing story medicine so I also have my own podcast which is called Healing Birth. And that's a show where I share stories of women who have experienced birth trauma. And sometimes I'm interviewing them at the point where they've done a lot of healing around it. And the goal is really to give hope to other people who have um, experienced this this particular type of trauma. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, because it's a very unique type of trauma. Yes, it is.
0: Yeah. Would you mind sharing a little bit about, um, your stories?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) Um, so my oldest is nine and his birth was, wow, such an initiation in so many ways. Um, we planned a home birth and I was very healthy, easy pregnancy, you know, no issues. Um, but I really didn't, it's funny, like I knew enough to know that I wanted to avoid the hospital and I knew that that model of care wasn't something that I was interested in, but I also didn't understand a lot or really anything about midwifery. And in particular, I would say how there are some midwives who are kind of afraid of birth. Like I didn't, I didn't totally realize that dynamic. And so I literally just picked someone who's geographically close to me and I'm like, oh, she's a midwife, like it'll be fine. So I I just chose a midwife who was geographically close to me and it was fine until the birth and that birth was kind of on the long side but side but not really that long um, it was you know around 24 hour around the 24 hour mark um, I kind of had the sense that everyone was really tired because everyone had you know my doula my midwife they had, had been at my house for a day and my midwife suggested that I transfer. And I was so deep into the labor space that I literally couldn't even think clearly at all. Um, my animal brain was completely turned on. And you know, I've, I've had nine years to reflect on this birth and I still don't know why she suggested this and I'm not putting blame on her. Um, There's really nothing wrong with me or the baby and I certainly didn't want to. But when she said it, I just assumed the altered state that I was in that something was wrong and we needed to go to the hospital.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, so we transferred and, you know, what, what transpired at the hospital was the, your classic cask of interventions, you know, I had my water broken, I was given an epidural and I was really like a, just a, at that point, I, I could feel that I was a passive participant in this experience. And I just sort of gave up Mm -hmm. and, um, After a very short amount of time at the hospital, there was suddenly a flurry of activity in my room and I heard monitors and beeping going off. And I was told we have to get your baby out right now. Um, His heart is doing scary things. And so it's immediate uh, emergency C-section. And um, I personally think that that had to do with the Pitocin and Epidural combo, but of Mm -hmm. course no one would say that Mm -hmm. to me. Um, And so I proceeded to have an emergency cesarean, which was such a traumatic experience. It was definitely the most traumatic thing I have ever been through in my life. Mm -hmm. And I left that birth just absolutely shattered, just completely shattered. Uh, No confidence in my ability to be a mother. You know, if I couldn't even birth my baby, what does that say about my ability to mother him? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that experience really had long term short-term and long-term effects on both of us, that I mentioned he's nine. We're honestly still working on both of us healing from that experience. It was it was very difficult. And after that experience, I planned to never have any more kids again. I couldn't even imagine trying to birth again or thinking about birth again or getting excited about birth again because I was so shattered from that experience. But of course, a higher power sent me another pregnancy just two <laughs> years later, um, and I was terrified, of course. But I dug really, really deep, and I, I, you know, I realized I was, I realized at some point that this was a gift, and that I had a choice. I could go back to the hospital. I kind of knew. Um, I should mention relevant to the story is that the state where I lived in at the time, it was not legal for midwives to attend VBAC moms. Oh, interesting. So, so, so I I really didn't know what I was gonna do, but for me, the hospital just emotionally wasn't even an option, even a different hospital, even a different provider, just wasn't an option for me. And um, I, I, I threw a series of very miraculous um, synchronicities and I would say divine intervention. I found someone who was willing to sit with me at home even though I was a VBAC mom and it was against her license. And that birth experience completely changed my life. It was totally different. It was so beautiful, hard. It was birth, you know, I worked very hard, but I can't even begin to describe the, um, I still can feel the emotion now of having had a birth experience where your baby was just cut out of you and you didn't get to complete the process then having getting a second chance Mm -hmm. and birthing your baby yourself I actually caught him Mm. I pulled him onto my chest no one took him from me no one touched him and there's photos of me in that moment right after he was born and you guys I look like I am on the biggest high of my life, like better than my wedding day. Like, look, it looks like I had been taking 10 tabs of ecstasy. Like I just look, you know, 10 orgasms in a row, like multiply all of that. And like, that's what my face looks like in that moment. <laughs> no, I, I have chills on my arms, low goosebumps.
0: Me too. Yeah, Me too. It,
1: it was the most healing, most healing I could have ever asked for in such an absolute gift. And from that point on, I was like, well, uh, this is what I got to do with the rest of my life. Like I have to support other women in finding this because I know I'm not the only one that have had a terrible first birth experience, not even close, like a lot of us have. And I, I just knew from that moment on, I had to, but my life's work was supporting other women in receiving the same healing that I received and knowing that they're not broken mm-hmm. and that their body isn't a failure. You know, all of those things that I took upon myself and I felt after that first birth, I really wanted to contribute to the collective healing around this. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. So where did you go after that? You've got
0: two little boys and you, you want to take on this mission. And, and what's
1: next for you? The first thing that I did was I shared my story on a couple of different really popular birth podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I found that experience was very another level of healing to be able to speak your story publicly. Mm-hmm. And then to have strangers from the internet reach out to me and say, wow, I heard your story on this podcast and I really resonated with it. And um, thank you for sharing, you helped me feel less alone. Um, I then also took some training in birth story medicine. So there's there's a modality that, that's been, that's been um, created, um, and I'm blanking on her name, but um, you can actually bring people into story medicine, you know, using um, different techniques and, and and help them heal their birth story. Mm. And so I started, I got some training around that and I started doing that, but I quickly realized that rather than working with women one-on-one, which is really emotionally intense, I'm sure you guys in what you do can relate to this. Yeah. I thought, you know, actually, if I just got a broader audience and create a platform for women to share their stories, I could reach a lot more people. And I also found that podcasting is also really, really fun for me. I love to talk, I love to interview women. Every single story that I get to um, share, I learn something from personally. And so I have been doing, I've been focusing my efforts on that for the past three years and that project has grown and grown and grown, and I get a lot of great feedback from it, and yeah, that's that's where my focus is now. It's amazing. Yeah, podcasts are
0: such an amazing way to reach such a broad audience, way broader than we could ever do in real life.
1: Right, and they're perfect for moms, because, you know, I started listening to podcasts when I had, when I was postpartum with a new baby because if you think about it your hands are always busy right and your eyes are always busy because you're looking at your baby or you're watching your toddler or you're on a walk with them in a stroller or you know strapped to you but your ears you can listen to things and so rather than like write a book or you know some other sort of medium podcasting I think really is the ideal way for new moms in particular to take in information and hear stories
0: yeah so in all your years of hearing stories um are there any common threads that you have been seeing where births are getting derailed and any like advice you have to moms listening or or um or midwives doulas who are supporting families because I remember when when I first learned about the free birth society and that there were families who were having like family-led births and Um, I went to add myself to the group on Facebook. And one of the questions was, would you be willing to, if you were a licensed midwife, would you be willing to surrender your license? And I was like, ooh, am I allowed to say, I don't know? (laughs) Like, will they let me in? And I was like, is there a possible, is there like a way I can use my like, power for good and not evil kind of thing. And um, like, and then that became my life's goal was how can I learn what women are actually wanting and how I can show up for them and not my license. And, um, and that's kind of the point of this podcast. Um, it's, it's drifted a little bit, but is for birth workers, like how can you show up truly for the woman? Um, and how you were speaking to, of that there are a lot of birth workers who are really, um, actually afraid of birth. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So just anything you have about, um, moms who are listening, who can, you know, potentially avoid self-sabotage or, um, you know, sabotage from their people supporting them. And then as people supporting women, how we can really show up for them. Sure. Great question. I feel like
1: that was
0: like eight questions in one. Yeah,
1: there were were a few in there, but I think that I can, I think that I can respond. So I'll start with moms. So I would say the most important choice that you can make right up front, if you want to avoid any trauma in your birth, is who your care team is. No, No matter what model of care, you know, you personally feel most comfortable with, you have to really, really get clear with your intuition and really trust the people that you invite into your birth space and take that very seriously. And I emphasize intuition and not um, facts. Mm -hmm. So like, I I don't care how many letters someone has after their name. um, You need to really tap into how you feel about that person and their vibe. And I will say that I I think that pregnant women in particular have more access to their intuition and intuitive knowledge than most people do. Mm -hmm. It's a time of heightened senses. So take advantage of that. And the most important decision you will make is who your care team is. Mm -hmm. Um, I I will just say also, you know, I, I have the experience of hearing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of birth stories that mostly include trauma and this is just my opinion so you can take it or leave it but i think that the way birth is done in most hospitals in the united states and canada is inherently traumatic um even if everything goes right and you don't have a cesarean or you know too many interventions i don't think that we are meant to birth with bright fluorescent lights on us strangers hands inside our vaginas um You know, men in and out all the time. I just I don't think even if we're not registering on a conscious level Mm -hmm. that that is traumatic. Our our mammalian brains are registering that. Mm -hmm. And so I would if if you if I were talking to my friend and speaking frankly, I would encourage anyone to explore having their baby at home because those experiences just from everything that I have learned do tend to be less fraught with trauma, not completely, but you have a better chance of not having a violating experience. Oh gosh, just that phrase is so sad to hear you say. I mean, I have to speak honestly. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's, it's true. I really, it is true, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and women should be aware of this. And you know, I, I think that I'm not really interested in talking down to other women. I, I'm interested in saying what's actually true and knowing that I, women are strong enough to hold. Uh, that truth and you know of course make your own decisions but I think that it's important that we say what's real yeah when I did my doula training
0: I was sitting in a room with women saying that they wanted to be a doula because they had traumatic births and wanted to support other families and I didn't have children and I was shocked I had no idea that it wasn't anything but the happiest day of your life I didn't even know that trauma that trauma could be a part of it or how that would even show up. I just was so like confused. Like, how is there trauma?
1: Um, Yeah, it blew me away. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't know about this until it affected me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can talk about, the second part of your question was for midwives and birth workers yeah. mm-hmm. and, Wow. Um, I think that the most important thing a birth worker listening to this needs to do is trust your client, like really listen to her and trust her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think be clear about why you're in the field that you're in. Mm -hmm. And I would say also try to, you know, none of us can, none of us can come to another woman's birth completely devoid of our own biases traumas um, opinions our own backgrounds like we all have baggage right but I think that when you are in another woman's birth space it is important to try to come as clear as possible and be aware of your own um, you know your own baggage around the topic of birth because I think that that's I think that it can show up in ways that we're unconscious of yeah. Yeah, and I will say too, I um, just be, this this is top of mind because I just did a series about um, survivors of sexual assault giving mm-hmm. birth, and I interviewed a series of three women who were willing to share how sexual assault for them showed up in their uh, birth experience, and I was shocked that they all said that their care providers never asked them about a sexual assault history, mm-hmm. and. Given the wow. fact, this is like very specific, but it's just top of my mind because I just interviewed these women. And, and you know, given the fact that so many women experience that, I, I would encourage, you know, any woman that you're working with to find a like really gentle, intuitive way to bring that up because I just couldn't believe that <laughs> that my guests like had never been asked that question. Interesting.
0: I wonder if at this point providers are just assuming everyone
1: has that's a good point. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be on the table as a part of
1: a holistic care.
0: Yeah. Just assuming that everyone has been abused is one thing, but then to just pretend that it's the elephant in the room and not think that that's going to become part of someone's birth experience one way or another positively as a healing or, or, um, as an obstacle to overcome is short-sighted. And I'm sure it has a lot to do with the 10 minutes they get with them. Like how do you open that can of worms and like sure. talk about it in 10 minutes, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I was curious if you have any, like you see a lot of connections between birth traumas and how postpartum plays
1: out for women oh yeah oh that's huge that's a that's that's a huge huge connection yeah mm-hmm. yeah um I'm, do you want me to talk about that a little yes, bit please mm-hmm. yeah so i think that I'll, I'll frame it this way i know from experience that you can emerge from birth into motherhood On a high, elated, feeling strong, feeling like you can do absolutely anything, and ready to take on this new role as a mother, or you can emerge from birth feeling absolutely broken, shattered, in pain, physically a mess, Mm -hmm. and um, those are they can both they can both go they can go either way, or somewhere in between, or some mix of both. And I think that this being a mother takes a lot of strength. It's a really, really big job. And in the beginning, it's such a massive transformation. It's almost hard for me to put words around what being postpartum was like that very first time, because it's like you almost become a whole different person. Mm -hmm. And to go into that transition, feeling traumatized, it's almost like you can't even really heal from the trauma until you're out of the postpartum period. And so you have this prolonged time emotionally of a lot of, a lot of pain. And, you know, there's some more specific things I hear all of the time, which is, you know, difficulty bonding with my baby after a traumatic birth, difficulty breastfeeding after a traumatic birth, um, difficult recovery, just in general, no matter how you gave birth. And all of these factors tend to compound upon each other, you know, birthing, uh, breastfeeding and bonding is deeply connected. Um, you know, I, I, it just is, it just breaks my heart, honestly, that this tender time, which is the postpartum t- time is so often tainted by pain and, um, real challenges, physical and emotional and spiritual that don't really don't need to be there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I mean, it 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 is just it's something that I hear all the time, and I think that there are lots of ways that if someone's listening to this and they're struggling postpartum, there there I have lots of thoughts to say about things that can support you. I don't know if you want to go there. Yeah, I, I, that was
0: one of the questions I had was like the different healing pathways that you've heard women Mm. share over the years? Um, Because you were saying they tend to come to you when they've done a lot of healing. And so if maybe you're seeing connections on um, certain pathways that have been working well for women.
1: Yes. So at the beginning of this conversation, Sophia, you said that birth trauma is a unique trauma. And I agree it is. And I think that a lot of people get so much relief and and help from therapy if you can find a therapist that understands birth trauma in my experience I don't think a lot of them do because a lot of them are trained in a traditional allopathic medical model Um, and in that model there isn't really I don't think I don't think people that are trained in that model really understand the hormonal matrix of birth and how when you're giving birth you're actually in kind of an altered state and you're 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 open in a different way than say, if you were attacked on a street and you're, you're, you're dealing from, you're, you're trying to heal from that trauma. Does that make sense? It's it's a different, it's a different thing. And I just don't find that a lot of therapists understand it, but certainly having someone to talk to I think is incredibly huge. Someone safe, someone who won't, you know, say that awful phrase, which is, at least you have a healthy baby. Never say that to anyone who's suffering, please. So, I mean, talking, I, I would say talking about it is very important, but I think that, I think that almost as important is somatic methods of healing, because when you, when your body is in a birth process and it was interrupted in that process, for whatever reason, it could be, it could be completely medically necessary. Um, there's something that gets lodged, like in your tissues mm-hmm. and you can feel it. And I really think that, um, birth trauma in particular is a type of trauma that responds to somatic therapy very, very well and that just means it's therapy that's body based. So you're not talking about it. you know you' you're actually doing things with you're working with the physical body to get that out and to move it through. And there's you know many different kinds of, of somatic therapy. There even just is a modality called somatic therapy, but there, there you know people have used embodiment practices to, for somatic therapy, you know, you could, you could look at it in a lot of different ways, but that's definitely something that I would say is uh, just, just huge. And, you know, for me, I really love story medicine. After my first birth, I craved hearing other stories like mine. And it wasn't because I wanted to beat myself over the head with the trauma that I had just experienced, but I really wanted to, make sense of what I had just experienced because I couldn't understand how this had happened to me. And um, it really helped me uh, be gentler with myself and forgive myself and not blame myself so much for this birth because when I hear other women sharing their stories, I don't blame her. Like I'm not listening to her story and thinking, wow, she really should have, you know she really messed that birth up. You know, I'm never thinking that I'm thinking I feel for you. I'm, I wish that this didn't happen to you and I understand how you feel. And so story medicine has been incredibly helpful for me. And, uh, yeah, shameless plug for my podcast. <laughs> Listen to my <laughs> podcast. That sounds good to you. Cause that's all it is.
0: Yeah. We will definitely link your podcast in the show notes. Oh, okay. Um,
1: yeah, I did somatic
0: body work after years and years of therapy processing my births and I decided to do it the day I was having acupuncture done. And it was the first time they had done needles down my spine. I had always been on my back when I was receiving treatment and my body was losing it. I was like flashing back to my epidural and cesarean. And, and I felt like I was going to pass out. My blood pressure was wonky. And, and I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, my son, had, cause he had been through six surgeries his first year. I was like, I bet his body is like spiraling out of control inside, you know, um, just because that that even though I I didn't really consider my cesarean as traumatic, but my body still did, uh, yeah, clearly because it was losing it, um, and it helped so much doing the somatic body work, and I ended up getting it done for my son too. Um, That's at, wonderful. One, yeah, one thing you had said about like the comparison to being like, you know robbed on the street or mugged on the street versus, um, you know, your birth experience is, and then how you also said, at least you have a healthy baby. Um, Like, I think a lot of times with um, birth trauma, it does get swept under the rug because of the way we view birth as like all these medical necessities, like fingers in your vagina and like all, all, they did all these things to you to help your baby or to help you it was all in the sake of like saving you like this abuse saved you where nobody would ever say that about you know being robbed on the street kind of situation um yeah it's like uh I think we're we're getting closer to people recognizing that um but yeah it makes it um tricky for I think um not tricky for therapists, but like uh, harder for them to just be supportive of it because they're like, oh, well it was necessary a necessary evil.
1: Right. Exactly. I think you're, you're touching on something that is a big part of the issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you
0: hear moms reporting about, you know, birth trauma and struggling with baby bonding, but but potentially it lasting like into childhood and affecting their relationships with their children I mean, I would maybe they don't get that far ahead into their lives
1: yeah usually usually i'm talking to moms with babies or toddlers but i i i will say almost without exception and this to me is a testament to how amazing mothers are and how strong we are and how I just have the the most respect for mothers, I think maybe above anyone on the planet, but almost without exception, the bonding does come. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes, it just, it, it takes some time. If you've been traumatized by your birth, if you can't, even if you can't breastfeed it, I've never heard anyone say that they didn't eventually bond with their child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that another thing that I often hear is there's a tremendous amount of guilt around that, around the bonding issue, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, feeling guilty that you didn't bond with your baby or you didn't, you don't feel bonded or that massive rush of love that everybody talks about right away. Um, And I would just love to say to anyone listening, if, if, if you, if that's your experience, please don't feel guilty because it is so common and normal after a traumatic birth and it says nothing about your ability to mother, how much you have a capacity to love that child. Um, it's, it's I, I almost think of it now kind of as a physiological phenomena mm-hmm. that will resolve itself eventually. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Do you ever see, I know this was kind of your experience, but do you ever hear stories where maybe somebody didn't do work around their you know, traumatic birth but just in having their redeeming birth a redemption birth, like that that was enough healing
1: of its own? Yes, I do hear that all the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's such, again, it's like such a testament to the human body and to motherhood and, and the process of mothering and birth that I think that birth is kind of it can be a built in healing mechanism. Mm -hmm. I think that we're, we're designed to, uh, we're designed to go through this massive transformation and it can be so healing in and of itself. And it's just built into our biology. And I think that that's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Um, I,
0: I was sharing that I did like talk therapy that I did somatic body work. Um, is, do you know is EMDR considered a s- type of somatic body work? Have you I'm assuming you've heard of EMDR?
1: I would consider it I would consider it somatic body it- work. I don't know if like a professional would correct me on that, but I definitely <laughs> consider it somatic yeah somatic therapy. Yeah, and it, you- can be, it can be super super effective for birth trauma too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you ever use that personally? I did not use it personally, but I interviewed recently a practitioner, an EMDR practitioner that, um, solely works with birth trauma. Mm-hmm. And she, she said wow. that she can, you know, that, that, that type of modality is extremely, extremely effective for birth trauma. And it, I, I, I tend to, I tend to agree, although I don't have personal experience with it. It makes sense to me.
0: hmm Yeah. Um, yeah. Do any of the moms that you speak with or your personal experience um, have any conclusions around like uh, their birth trauma leading to uh, like overactive intrusive thoughts throughout their parenting, like that their birth trauma affects their parenting in that way when maybe they aren't really prone to be anxious or stressed or anything like that, but that, kind of like comes with the territory of being traumatized in birth
1: yes that's something that I hear often and that is a PTSD um, uh, a phenomena of PTSD and it's something yeah it's something that I hear a lot the intrusive thoughts racing thoughts um lots of anxiety around the baby um you know having flashbacks all of that can be something that people experience after birth trauma I hear it quite often yeah Mm mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Um, is there any
0: advice to someone who maybe, you know, tries to set themselves up the best they can, they're like really conscious of who their birth team is and because of just like the situation they're in, it's kind of unfolding in maybe a traumatic way. Is there like anything that can be done in the moment? to I want to say like cope better I don't know if that's the right word but like to set yourself up to like you know not be as dramatized like if you can kind of like see it's like going like maybe transferring from home like that you realize you're about to do that is there anything that can be done in the moment or is it just kind of like knowing
1: where to go afterwards in terms of healing oh good question that's a tough one I think that I, I mean, I think that if you're in already in your birthing process, mm-hmm. that's the point at which your work is to let go. And I don't yeah. think that your work is around um, fixing the outside circumstances or even really advocating for yourself. I mean, I I remember not being able to advocate for myself in any way. And I literally wasn't capable of it because I I couldn't really form words or thoughts Mm -hmm. when you get to a certain point in your labor process you just your animal brain turns on and your thinking brain is just not not there so I think that all of that work really has to be done beforehand and certainly if you if you find yourself in the position where you're transferring and you didn't want to be in a hospital um I think having a support person is so important and so again that's sort of the prep work but you know, in the event that that happens, have someone with you that isn't your partner, ideally, because your partner is going to be going through, you know, they're going to be going through their own emotional uh, emotions, and they might not be the right person necessarily to advocate for you or even know how to advocate for you. So I think if in that situation, I'm not really answering your question, but this is the best that I can do. I mean, in that situation, have, have a support person that you trust who can advocate for you that isn't giving birth to a baby yes. um, and who like knows, knows what you want. And, you know, have those conversations way before the birth starts that, um, you know, if you end up in a situation that looks like it could be traumatic, that there's someone other than you and someone other than your partner who knows what your desires and wishes are. And, you know, you, you completely trust and it can, I will mention this about my own story. I had a doula with me for that first traumatic birth um, that, that ended up in a surgery and having someone there who wasn't my partner, who was completely freaking out and scared and thought I was gonna die. Mm. Having someone who knew I wasn't gonna die um, was I, someone I trusted, someone who I liked, someone who you know, has been to hospital births and sort of wasn't freaked out about the environment or the people there that was like the one little bit of grace and that one little um, ray of beauty. And that, well, obviously other than my beautiful son who was born, but you know, the, the, for the trauma part, like having her there was, uh, I'm very, very grateful that she was there. And so I hope that anyone going into exper- an experience that they think might be tough has someone who can be, you know, that outside person that, that can support them.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that that's, um brings me to kind of my next question is about partnerships because um, I, I assume it can be very straining on a partnership when one is dealing with PTSD and um, and just are this, is there any advice for the partners supporting mothers going through um, healing their birth trauma um, like. I don't know if there's any, you know, there's probably like support groups for moms. Are there support groups for partners? Are there book recommendations? Like what are the things that you see that um, really support the partner
1: through this? That's a great question. And something that a lot of people have asked me and my honest answer is that to the best of my knowledge, there aren't books or support groups for partners of women who experience work trauma. But this, you know, gets back to what you said earlier, Sophia, is that we're kind of just barely at the point yeah. where we are acknowledging that this is a legitimate thing that a lot of women are going through. So of course those, those resources don't exist men. Although if someone does know of one and is listening to the show, please correct me because and I I would love to know, but to my knowledge, I don't think there's any support for for partners Mm -hmm. that I'm aware of at least. Um, But as far as advice, I mean, I would say let try to the best of your ability, try to let this experience bring you closer and don't let it move you more apart. And I feel like in a a partnership, a long-term partnership, that's just kind of true of any trauma that you experience together, you know, during the course of your marriage or your partnership, difficult experiences can push you apart or they can actually bring you closer. And I would say, find a way to help it, find a way to to get closer to your partner Mm -hmm. and don't push her away and don't let her push you away. Mm -hmm. If that's possible, I don't know if it's possible always, but um, I mean, for us in my own marriage, the experience, we had a lot to work through, but he, he he drew closer to me in those postpartum months and really witnessed my pain in a way that I appreciated. And um, it's kind of like birth, I guess, you know, your partner can't really take away your pain or really do anything but witness you and support you emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I think that that part, that part is probably still really important after birth too. Yeah. Yeah. There could be so
0: many layers for partners because not only are they, you know, witnessing the person they love, you know, suffering and struggling day to day, but potentially even carrying their own trauma from the experience um, you know, maybe yeah. not physically in their body being violated, but in witnessing.
1: Yeah. And another piece of this is that a lot of our partners have been birth trauma, meaning like from their own birth. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know that my mom would call her birth, ex, birth experiences traumatic, but when she tells them to me, They sound not great to me. And what I know of, like my husband's own birth, uh, I would call it incredibly (laughs) traumatic, like how he was born. And so, you know, we also carry that within us, you know, um, unless we've done a lot of really conscious work on it. And I don't think that most people have, I certainly haven't. And some people don't even recognize
0: that the way their body is feeling and their relationship with their baby is because of trauma, because they assume that that's just what birth is um, exactly. and that they had a pretty straightforward experience and one that all their friends have had, but why am I feeling this way? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, oh gosh, I had another thing I wanted to ask you and it just escaped me. Shoot, I was going to write it down and I was like, I'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, what was it? this is, this is a problem with my brain. It does this. <laughs> that takes me on a loop. Um, I'm going to pause real quick. I remembered what I was going to say. Um, yeah. So in terms of like healing from our potential birth traumas, um, is there anything different that we haven't mentioned um, that can heal that? I know we talked about like somatic body work and, you know, talk therapy and things like that, is that still relevant for if you're trying to heal from your birth
1: experience, like your personal
0: when you were born birth experience?
1: I am definitely not an expert in this particular topic, but I think so. Yeah. It makes perfect sense that, you know, that, 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 that those experiences are in our tissues. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that somatic work would be huge around that I mean I know people that have asked you know asked to talk through their own birth with their mothers and found that to be really healing and cathartic too Mm. but um you know I I suspect Sophia that there are people way smarter than me (laughs) on this particular topic that have like courses and books and you know all kinds of ways that you can you can do work around your your own birth and I'm just not completely up to speed with that work yeah.
0: Do you, have you ever talked with anyone who is maybe healing from like uh, trauma through a conception journey? Cause I'm um, sure there's that piece. I know I've had friends that have just had, oh, like such a hard time getting pregnant and I'm sure that there can be some trauma around that.
1: Yeah, actually what, what I hear more often than that is um, the unplanned pregnancies can be mm-hmm. that it- People, you know, when you weren't planning to have a baby and you're suddenly pregnant, a lot of people have said to me that that was something that they had to work through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I actually, to be honest with you, I haven't talked to a lot of people that that have had difficult times getting pregnant. And I wonder why that is. I know it's it's a common thing, but I don't I know. Wonder,
0: I wonder if, like, by the time maybe they do get pregnant because if you would be speaking to somebody about birth trauma so you would only really speak to the ones who maybe struggled but eventually got pregnant and maybe they're just mm-hmm. at that point so overjoyed at the idea of being pregnant that you know it almost seems like it doesn't matter it was worth it um yeah 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 that makes sense mm. Interesting. Well, yeah, our, we were kind of touching base a little bit on like recommendations and I just wanted to like go back there again, um, cause I wanted to list them in the show notes. If there are any, um, like book recommendations, not necessarily for partners, that's kind of what we were talking about, but just like on the topic of birth trauma and healing, um, are there good websites, resources, book recommendations, anything that you usually recommend or hear women
1: recommending yeah Uh, a couple of books right off the top of my head and I apologize I don't have the author's names right in front of me but anyone can google this and you'll find it and I can send you a a complete list after this conversation for the show notes if you like great Uh, a couple of books is cut stapled and mended and that book is just one woman's story Again, I really love Story Medicine. Um, how she had multiple she had multiple cesarean births. I think maybe two or three, three cesareans in a row, and then had a had had a baby had had a, a vaginal birth. And I loved that book. It's one of my favorites for anyone who wants a back or is planning a back because the message is sort of I don't know. It's just so it's so redemptive and it's so hopeful and the healing that she achieved and everything that she went through I just found to be very inspiring so that's cut stapled and mended um how to heal how to heal a bad birth is a great book it's written by um two women in Australia and again I don't have their names but that's a wonderful resource for anyone who has had a birth experience that left them feeling traumatized doesn't have to be a cesarean um yeah I
0: yeah, well, I'll get that list from you too, and I'll include it. But those are great to start with.
1: Yeah, and I would also, I'll just say, on my website, I actually have a whole list of all of my favorite resources, and I'm happy to just send it to you too. But if you go to www.healingbirth.net/resources, you will find a very more complete list than I have on the top of my head right now of books, um, different types of therapies. Um, podcasts that you can listen to, um, people that you can reach out to, body workers. Um, it's all listed there. So you can go to that place. And Sophia, I can, I can send you a bunch if you want to. Great. That's awesome. And I'll um I'll add the website to the show notes
0: too for anyone who wants to look it up. Um is there any other way that people can connect with you? And and I I know you're doing the podcast and you used to do one-on-ones. Is that still something you do or what are your offerings?
1: Um, I no longer work one-on-one with women, but I do work with a wonderful business partner. She's more than a business partner. She's like my sole family in this work. And her name is Linnea and she is available to do one-on-one work with women. Um, my focus is the podcast, but I'm also really, really, uh, I'm very, very available. So if you email me and um, you want to, you want to talk, like I will, I will, I will respond to your email and you will hear back from me. Um, and anyone can reach me on, again, on my website, which is www.healingbirth.net. And, um, I'm on Instagram and the Instagram is at healing birth and I get, so people can reach out to me there, but the podcast is really my main work right now. Beautiful.
0: Great. We'll link all that in the show notes too. Oh, it was so good to chat with you. Is there anything awesome. that you feel like we didn't touch on
1: or, you know, last thoughts you wanted to leave with the listeners? I feel complete. I think this was a, you asked some great questions. Um, and um, I just, I think I just want to end by saying, thank you again for the opportunity to share. I really, this subject is so close to my heart and I would I just want to tell any woman that found this conversation maybe because the topic of birth trauma or VBAC is something that is relevant to your life. I just really want you to know that you're not alone, and that there's so much support out there for you. And, um, uh, Sophia, I, <laughs> I also just have to say it's such a pleasure to connect with you, and I really appreciate the way that you genuinely trust women, support women, the, the work that you're doing, I just hold in the highest regard. And it's such an honor to get to share on your platform and connect with you again.
0: Mm, thank you. Oh, yeah, it's been great to see your face. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you again. And we will link everything in the show notes. So please get in touch with Diana. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you guys. Thank you both.
0: Thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray R E A, Sophia at SophiaBirth.com, and me, Leah, at Bay Area Birth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, stay wild.